Support for this WXAV podcast is being provided by Bookies, new and used books. Located at 10324 Southwestern Avenue in Chicago, Bookies specializes in new and used books. Their selection includes new releases, bestsellers, and books that are out of print. For more information, please visit their website at bookieschicago.com. You can also find them on Facebook by searching Bookies Chicago or call them at 773-239-1110. Hello and welcome to A Great Woman and Her Time, a WXAV 88.3 FM series that examines the extraordinary life of a 19th century Irish woman. And now your host, Graham Peck. Hello, my name is Graham Peck, and I am a professor of history at St. Xavier University in Chicago, where I have taught since 2002. I have published a book and produced a film about the origins of the Civil War, and you can learn more about my career by visiting my website, civilwarprof.com. But if you love to listen to history, stay strapped into your earbuds, because we are going to take another journey into the past. In October of 1837, Catherine Macaulay wrote to her protege, Sister Mary Frances Ward, closing with the following prayer. May God bless and animate you with his own divine spirit, that you may prove it is Jesus Christ you love and serve with your whole heart. Rarely has a benediction proved so well fitted to the person who received it. At that time, Francis Ward was 27 and only recently appointed the superior at the Carlo Convent. Catherine had appointed her superior because of her impressive administrative ability, which had been evident since Francis had joined the House of Mercy in 1828. But Francis's precocious leadership in Carlo was only the first flowering of an extraordinary life. By its end, according to her biographer, she had become, quote, one of the greatest servants of humanity who ever lived, having founded personally perhaps more convents, schools, hospitals, and institutions of social welfare than any other religious leader of the Western world. Although an astonishing statement, it is deserved. In her lifetime, Frances Ward established more than 100 institutions, one of which, in 1846, was St. Xavier Academy for Females, now St. Xavier University. It alone has touched millions of lives over the past 172 years. The collective influence of all of Ward's institutions is beyond calculation. We learned in the seventh episode of this series on Catherine Macaulay, founder of the Sisters of Mercy, that the order's animating religious impulse was trust in a God of mercy. That impulse catalyzed thousands of nuns to join the order over the next century as it became the largest English-speaking female religious order in the world. The order grew most dramatically in the United States, where more mercy convents ultimately took root than in the rest of the world combined. Most of those convents traced their origins to Sister Frances Ward, who spent over four decades planting and nurturing mercy institutions in the United States. Her story begs to be told. How did an Irish orphan who made her home in America become one of the greatest servants of humanity who ever lived? As we shall learn, 
a God of mercy was at the center of it, and his chief instrument was Catherine Macaulay. The early life of Francis Ward, like that of Macaulay, was marked early and often by terrible loss. Her mother died shortly after her birth, and she was raised by her father and an aunt. When she was nine, her father lost his estate and relocated to Dublin and sent Francis and her sisters to live with his brother. Five years later, Francis's brother John, with whom she was extremely close, died on the day he had expected to be ordained to the priesthood. And only months later, Francis's elder sister died, followed shortly by her traumatized father. It was an appalling set of blows, and in 1824, at the age of 14, Francis was suddenly an orphan. Yet she did not wilt. Intensely spiritual and very strong-willed, she developed an independence of mind that was highly uncharacteristic of young Irish Catholic women of the time. She paired it with a kind-hearted sympathy for others, the fruit of her own tremendous suffering. Unknowingly, she was forming into an ideal co-worker for Catherine Macaulay. And once they met, in 1827, Francis's life would be forever changed. They met through coincidence. Francis had moved to Dublin and become friends with Mary Macaulay, Catherine's niece. Consequently, Francis frequently saw Catherine, who was living with Mary's family in order to nurse Mary's dying mother. To Francis, Catherine seemed extraordinary. An attractive, wealthy, charismatic, and devout Catholic woman, blessed with extraordinary empathy, eager to serve Dublin's poor. Soon Catherine became the mother that Francis never had had, and Francis accepted her invitation to join the House of Mercy, which opened shortly after they met. Catherine, Francis, and several other young women, including Mary, were together carrying out the works of mercy, praying and attending Mass, teaching and lodging poor girls, and caring for the sick. Day after day, her biographer writes, Francis, quote, learned with Catherine Macaulay both the spiritual depth and the practical hard work of founding an institute of mercy. Above all, she learned from Catherine the mysterious secret of trusting completely in God alone, a way of life which was to be her spiritual strength in the long years to come. Catherine Macaulay would remain Francis's model as a sister of mercy for the remainder of her life. In 1837, Catherine appointed Francis as the first superior of the Carlo convent. Francis developed independence there, as Catherine expected and desired, but Francis still benefited from Catherine's instructions, receiving from her many letters. When Bishop Edward Nolan, who had been extremely supportive of Francis and the new Carlo convent, suddenly died, Catherine reassured Francis that Jesus Christ would, quote, pour down abundant consolation. And when one of Francis's young sisters passed away, Catherine instructed Francis to, quote, be cheerful and happy, animating all around you, thus showing your confidence in God's blessing. And indeed, despite some setbacks, the new convent was a splendid success. 
In addition to recruiting a steady influx of young sisters, Francis opened the first pension school in Mercy history in 1839. Pension schools were tuition schools designed to educate the children of wealthier Catholics while providing funds for the convent and serving as a recruiting ground for sisters. It was an innovative idea that spread throughout the order, including to Chicago in 1846, when Francis founded St. Xavier Academy for Females, which was also a pension school. Such innovations characterized Francis's life over the next four decades. In 1839, 1840, and 1842, she demonstrated her evangelical zeal by starting new mercy convents in Ireland. Consequently, in 1843, the Bishop of Pittsburgh, Michael O'Connor, requested that she found the first Sisters of Mercy convent in the United States. The task was daunting. But before she even set foot on the land of her adopted country, while aboard ship in New York City's harbor, Bishop-elect William Quarter of Chicago met her and asked her to found a convent in his city also. She founded both convents and did much, much more. In 1847, she opened Pittsburgh Mercy Hospital, the first hospital west of the Allegheny Mountains and the first Mercy Hospital in the world. To this day, it is a distinguished medical center. Francis also inspired Chicago's Mercy Hospital by planning for it during the founding of Chicago's convent in 1846. The hospital opened in 1853 and has served Chicagoans ever since. Incredibly, her pace never slowed. Over the next 37 years, she would found 26 additional convents, many of which subsequently created new foundations of their own. Hers was the tree of innumerable branches. And yet, at the root of it, was the same humility practiced by Catherine Macaulay. When Francis left the Chicago sisters in November of 1846 to return to Pittsburgh, she exhorted them to practice what she called, quote, a spirit of poverty in order to cultivate charity. According to Francis, the spirit of poverty included, begin quote, the kind word, the gentle look of sympathy, the patient bearing of annoyances from others, forbearance with defects of character, the silent suffering of some trifling insult, some humiliation, some slight injustice, ceding one's rights complacently to others, a soft reply to a harsh word, receiving gratefully and good-naturedly refusal or rebuke, acknowledging small favors, and disregarding any want of due appreciation, looking for no return from anyone except God. End quote. Recognizing these words as roadmaps to mercy, the Chicago sisters recorded them, treasured them, and attempted to live them out. Catherine's vision, filtered through Francis Ward, took on new life in new places with new sisters. Perhaps it is unsurprising, therefore, that words written about and by Catherine Macaulay echo in the life of Francis Ward. In August of 1840, Father Andrew Fitzgerald wrote to Catherine Macaulay that truly I may say 
that God took you out of darkness to spread his light? And are you not still under his vocation spreading it in humility of heart, knowing that of yourself you are nothing but everything in him who strengthens you? Three months later, Catherine Macaulay wrote to Francis Ward, celebrating the moral improvement in Ireland produced by a priest who promoted temperance. This proves to us, Catherine wrote, what the special grace of God can produce, though bestowed but on one man, yet so as to go forth amongst millions through the agency of his touch. These two quotes could have been put on the tombstone of Francis Ward. We began this series imagining the life of an orphan girl in Dublin, Catherine Macaulay, who dedicated her life to God and the poor. It would seem a story unlikely to deserve the title, A Great Woman and Her Time. And yet Macaulay, through the auspices of the Holy Spirit and the Catholic Church, exercised an extraordinary influence on her own time, influence that continues into the present. There can be little question that had she not elected to spend her inheritance on what her brother called Kitty's Folly, the Sisters of Mercy congregation would not have emerged in Dublin, Ireland. Nor would it have spread through the world and created an extraordinary array of institutions that promote education and social welfare. That Catherine did build the House of Mercy and commit herself to serving the poor in the name of God reminds us both of our obligations to our fellow man and of our ability to make a difference in the lives of others, one person at a time. You've been listening to WXAV's A Great Woman and Her Time, a program created, researched, written, and narrated by Graham Peck, engineering and editing by Peter Creighton. For more information on the series, please visit Graham Peck's website, Civil War Prof dot com.